Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Scott Thomas. I am joyed to serve as the pastor, and this is my first Christmas here at Lone Oak, um, and I'm excited about that. So, um, you look nice. Some of you always look beautiful on Sunday morning. Some of you just happen to look better than you normally do, to which we all say thank you. Um, <laughs> But this is our first this is our first Christmas together, and so I'm gonna ask if I could take your picture. Um I just wanna remember it. Um and so I was gonna just take your picture. Would that be okay? I know it's not Baptist, I'm not gonna form a committee or take a vote. I'm just gonna do it really. Um so I, I just I just wanna take your picture. So um that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not joking, I'm really taking your picture. So, there are a few more of you than I expected. I'm gonna have to uh, go back here. Can you lean in there? <laughs> it's, it's good. What did, what did Hank say earlier? Suck in, hold your breath. All right, here we go. All right. I would tell you to smile, but I really can't see you from back here. All right. One, two, three. There we go. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Yeah. You did so good. You might as well clap for yourself for doing nothing. All right. We're in Luke chapter two. Um, Luke chapter two. This is going to be the, the conversation between the angels and the shepherds. As adults, um, well, well, Christmas and receiving gifts is the idea here. As adults, though, receiving gifts just, it's just a little bit different when you get into adulthood, receiving gifts, because, um, because as a child, you get so excited, you, you receive things that you're hoping for, you write a wish list, you give those things out, and, and then... On Christmas morning, or maybe even early, depending on if you're with grandparents or not, you get to open these gifts that you've been anticipating, excited about. But as adults, things are just a little bit different because your emotions change. Most of you just buy whatever you want anyway throughout the year, so it's, it kind of takes away the, the, the specialness of Christmas morning. But there are times when you have these Christmas morning gift opening experiences. Uh, recently, I had one of those. Um, about a week or two ago, I opened up and unpacked my library. All right, so as a pastor, one of the tools of the trade are books. We uh, pastors that preach will study extensively to prepare and develop messages, and you just grow you just grow fond of your books. You fall in love with them, you read them, you, uh, you just spend time with them, and you get to know the authors. And so since moving to Paducah several months ago, my books have been in storage. The library space that the church has afforded me had not been completely prepared yet. And so a couple of weeks ago, I finally got to open my library. And there were a few of you in here that got to help me with that. And I'm thankful to you for your help. But every box that I opened, it was just like opening a, a brand new Christmas morning gift. I, I got to see books that I haven't visited with in quite some time, books that I forgot that I even owned, and I'm opening them up, and my mind is just, is just hit afresh by these, 
the stories and the lessons and the time that I've spent studying these books. And I, I connected with, I reconnected with some old friends, some authors that I just remember studying. Uh, and, and these guys that I'm going to mention are men that, that have something in common. Uh, guys like A.W. Tozer or C.S. Lewis, Ian Bounds, and R.G. Lee. These are guys that have something in common, and it's not that they all go by their initials. What they have in common is that their writing, their writing and their books are drenched with spirit-initiated Bible, Scripture, and faith-stoking words. These men, when they write, there's just something about the way that, that God has used them and their vocabulary and their structure of words that just seems to... It just seems to ignite a burning passion of faith every time you read them. R.G. Lee was a preacher, and he recorded many of his soul-winning sermons. And reading through those words, it just makes your heart burn for the things that God loves. A.W. Tozer was a deep thinker, and he dives into the depths of who God is. And then through his deliberations, the reader is pulled headlong into craving for the holiness of God in their own life. C.S. Lewis is one who's well-known in Christian literature. He traverses the splendors of the world as if he was writing, sitting at the right hand of God, looking from the place that even God himself can see. And through his writings, his word leads us to a fresh perspective on everything that is around us. Ian Bounds is one who writes famously about prayer, and he searches deeply into the matters of prayer, and through his writings, the reader's bolstered with this untapped power of prayer that seems to now be accessible to us. These men, these men, their writing, their words, they stoke a fire of faith within. You read their words, it's just like it brings to life this faith that we say we have in a fresh and a new way. In our text this morning, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, the shepherds come to talk, or the angels come to talk to the shepherds, and the words that they speak bring this fresh fire of faith to the shepherd's life. These, these men are in the same place doing the same thing, raising sheep that will often be used as sacrifices in the Judaic faith system, but now because of these words, they have a fresh faith and a fresh faith. And I want to show you this morning in the sermon five faith statements that we can take away from the angel's words to the shepherds. And so we look in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Let me read the passage with you, and then I want to share these five points in the sermon. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, the scripture says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger.
concerning this child. And all who heard it were wondering at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you join me for a word of prayer before we jump into the message? Lord, thank you that we can gather as a church family to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and to enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Lord, we pray for your help now as we jump into the word, dive into the word. And Father, I pray that this sermon would have the effect, as so many of the authors that I've read had effect on me, and that it would stoke the fires of faith within the hearts of the saints. And Lord, for those that are present that do not have faith, who have not surrendered to Jesus Christ by receiving forgiveness of their sins, Lord, I pray that you would bring them to the point of saving faith today. Here is our prayer. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, we gather these faith statements. God sought you before you sought God. God sought you before you sought God. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verse 9. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, the scripture reads this, And an angel of the Lord appeared, and an angel of the Lord appeared, came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. So, the shepherds are out in the field, they're doing the things that shepherds do, and an angel of the Lord came to them. Now, we don't want to miss how important this is. Let me ask you just a question. You can participate. Did the shepherds go to the angels? Did the angels come to the shepherd? The angel came to... The meaning of this is that God sought out the shepherds. The shepherds were not seeking out God. This is a radically important point. It means that God initiated the conversation. The people didn't initiate the conversation with God. So often people will ask, I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if God wants me. Well, let me tell you this. The fact that you're thinking such a question is a result of God loving you because it is in those questions, those wonderings, those thoughts, and those doubts that God is initiating a conversation with you. Because we're influenced in only a certain number of ways. We're either influenced by ourself, by the world around us, by Satan the enemy, or by God. Now wondering if God loves you, which is a question that is going to lead to an affirmative response of yes, he loves you, do you think that the world is influencing you to think like that? Absolutely not. Do you think that you are thinking like that? Some of you are glasses half full kind of people. Most of us are not. And we don't just lead ourselves to think about these deep spiritual thoughts. What about Satan? Do you think that Satan wants you to begin asking questions like whether or not God loves you? Absolutely not. That leaves us with one conclusion, that the Lord is leading you to those conversations. He is initiating a conversation with you. And so to ask, I wonder if the Lord loves me. I wonder if he is thinking about me. It is evidence that God is initiating a conversation with you. God sought you before you sought him. The scriptures speak about this not only in the present moments, but also in an eternal salvific sense. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, the scripture says, For while we were still weak, 
At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So when you were weak, when you were unable to seek God, when you were unable to die for yourself, God took the initiative through his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. In other words, you couldn't get to him, so he came to you. And that is the meaning of Christmas, God with us. We could not go to God, so God came to us. God sought you before you sought God. Here's a second statement. God wants you near to him. God wants you near to him. Look in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And an angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't pull back. But, but listen to this, he says. I have good news of great joy that will be for all people. The distance between us and God, the distance between you and God, is a distance that is there not because God left you, but because you left God. See, that's the trouble with sin. The trouble with sin is that it creates a distance between us and God. But the good news of great joy is that God doesn't want that distance to remain, but rather God wants us to be near to him. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be brought back into a right relationship with him. And the angel comes to deliver this good news that God is going to do what is necessary so that the distance between you and God could be taken away, evaporated, diminished, demolished so that you could be near to God. And might I tell you that our perfect God has a perfect presence. And because our perfect God has a perfect presence, if you're near to him, you are in a perfect atmosphere. Some of you think this world is broken. It's terrible. It's tragic. It is imperfect. To which I would tell you, you need to get close to God. Because where he is, there is no tragic imperfection. Where he is, is perfection. The scripture tells us in John chapter 3 verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, redeemed, brought back, brought near. Look with me at point number three. You might say, Brother Scott, you were going awfully fast. Well, it turns out that all three of my children are on this front row and my wife says, Number three, Jesus came to deliver you from helplessness and hopelessness. Helplessness and hopelessness are two very, very different words. Now, they may seem related. They may seem like cousins. They may seem like brothers from a different mother, but they are two different words who often show up in the same situation. And I'm going to invite you, despite the crowds, I'm going to invite you to tune in right here with me because someone in this room needs to hear this. The word helpless... The word helpless means unable to defend oneself or to act without help. You are unable to do it yourself. The word hopeless. The word hopeless means that you feel despair or lack of hope that life can be any better. So you are, hope, you are helpless if you can't do anything for yourself. You are hopeless if you have basically given up. You, you've just settled that this is, it can't get better. It can't be good. It can't get better. Not in the sense that life is so good. 
I just can't imagine how it could get any better, but because life is so bad, there's no chance that things could be better. But let me give you the statement again. Jesus came to deliver you from both helplessness and hopelessness. Look at the scripture here. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior means to come to rescue A savior is one who brings a rescue. A savior is the one who comes to deliver. Oh, a savior is one who comes to redeem out of a place of despair and helplessness. We may feel in this season, we may feel in this day that the challenges of the season are more than we can handle. I've spoken already this morning from the 20-foot walk from my office into this sanctuary to multiple people who are just sensing the burden of hurt, who are feeling the weight of despair, who don't hate that everyone else is is happy and joyful, who, who don't despise the fact that others have family and friends and festivities, but they just feel the sadness, the pain, the loneliness, and the despair of the season nonetheless. And they feel helpless to do anything about it. But I want to tell you that on that day more than 2,000 years ago to you, Jesus was born a Savior, and you may be helpless, but that does not make you hopeless. There is a difference between being helpless and hopeless, and you may indeed be helpless because of the sin that is in your life, but because Jesus Christ was born that day into a, uh, from a virgin birth, you are not helpless. You may be helpless, but you are not hopeless. Jesus Christ is the Savior, and the Savior has been born, and the Savior has lived a sinless life, and the Savior died on a cross that you and I deserved, and the Savior was put into a borrowed grave, and three days later, that Savior was raised from the grave, and we are no longer hopeless. But we have the help through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ delivered you. He delivered you from both being helpless and hopeless. Number four, the angel brings these messages of faith to the shepherds. Number four, God will work in a way you can understand, but you might not expect. God will work in a way you can understand, but might not expect. Look at Luke chapter two, verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, he's just said in verse 11 that on this day there is a Savior that was born, a Christ, the Messiah. Now, now this is a thought that there would be a ruler, a conqueror that was going to come to deliver the Jewish people from all captivities and reassert them as the leading nation in all of the world. Now, that's an expectation. That's something that the people would have understood that to mean. But they didn't expect how he was going to come. And the way that he was going to come was to be born by a virgin and then laid in a feeding trough. 
And the shepherds must have thought, okay, we can understand the Savior coming. We can even understand somebody being born. It happens. But to be born by a virgin and then to be laid in a feeding trough, that seems a little unexpected. You know, the way God works is sometimes in a way that we can expect or understand, but it's not always in a way that we expect. Now, let me just pull an example. This isn't a a full theological discourse, but let me just pull this. Most of you grew up in church. Some of you have gone to Christmas services every year since before you were born. And the thought, the idea that you can be forgiven of your sins is not new at all. You can understand it. Because it's so familiar to, it, to you. You're like, you know what? I can understand what it means to be forgiven of my sins. That sins can be wiped away. That I can be brought back near to God. Some of you, it's understandable that God sent his son Jesus Christ so that you could be near to him. Like you get these things. But sometimes God does things that are totally unexpected. Here's one that, that I grew up in church and understood like the idea, the concept of forgiveness of sins, but, but God did something in my life that I just didn't expect. And one of those is what he calls adoption. God not only forgave me of my sins, but he adopted me into his family so that I could never not be a part of his family again. He he forgave me of my sins to deliver me from sin, to deliver me from darkness, to deliver me from death, and then he adopted me into into his family so that sin and death and darkness and those dark spiritual powers could never take possession of me again. Like I understand that God loves me, but I didn't expect that he would go to that extent to make sure that I would never be lost again. But this is what God does. He, he will work in a way that we can understand, and sometimes he works in ways that we never expected him to do. But this is the glory of Christmas. This is the stoking fire of faith in our life. The angel says there's going to be born a savior, and you're going to find him. You're going to find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and swaddling cloths, and he's going to be lying in a manger. You know, signs are often given to confirm faith, but they're not always given to compel faith. Sometimes we ask God, God, give me a sign so that I can believe. But the way that God works is he gives us signs to confirm the faith that we already have, not to compel the faith that we hope to have. And this sign was given to the shepherds, a sign they could understand but they didn't expect not to give them faith, but to confirm the faith that they already had. Here's the fifth and final point. Through Jesus, we have complete peace. Through Jesus, we have complete peace. Look with me at Luke chapter two, verses 13 and 14. The scripture says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so there is a angel, an angel, who is with the shepherds, he gives this announcement and message, and then suddenly there is a multitude of angels that have appeared, come down from heaven, who are now singing this incredible praise, and this is what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
So they are making a proclamation. They're not only singing praises to God, but they're bringing a proclamation to the people who are hearing their song. And that proclamation is that peace is coming to the earth. Peace is a word that that means to be complete or whole. In other words, God is bringing through Jesus Christ completeness and wholeness to those with whom he's pleased. Meaning that you don't lack anything, but that you are all together. The scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ came to the earth to bring you peace. To bring you peace. And so you might ask, if you don't have peace... Is the reason that I don't have peace in my life because I don't have Jesus? I'm going to invite us to move into a time of invitation. Um, Brother Mark and the worship team, those that are going to help us with the invitation, if you could come forward. The invitation will, it'll work a little differently today because of the crowd that we have. And so let me just tell you before we jump into the invitation story, let me just share with you how this is going to work. In a few moments, we're going to stand together. We're going to have a prayer. And at the close of the prayer, the altar is going to be open for any of those that need to respond this morning, either responding by making Jesus, uh, coming to faith in Jesus, accepting forgiveness of your sins, responding by coming to join the church. It'll be a great day to join the church. Maybe you need to respond by just coming forward to receive prayer. I'm going to be serving in this middle aisle. There are going to be ministers standing in the other aisles. If you need to make a decision today, uh, we want to invite you to step out of the aisle and move forward. Listen, it is full. There are lots of people in here, but I can assure you no one's going to mind getting out of your way so that you could come forward to make a decision. So if you feel compelled to respond to the invitation, just reach over to the folks next to you and say, I need to step out. I need to, to go forward. And I promise you, they will be more than glad to get out of your way. The, the invitation and Christmas, we receive gifts all the time. Some of the gifts that we receive are... Uh, unexpected. Sometimes they're expected. Sometimes they're surprises. Do any of you have folks in your family that are really good at giving surprise gifts? Any of you? I've got some folks that I know that they are so good at surprising me with gifts. My wife and three children, they have a cat named Sally. Some of you know what I mean by that. (laughs) I have an animal that I pay to take care of and keep alive, but adds no value to my life. (laughs) My wife and three children have a family member that happens to be an animal. (laughs) I'm glad we're extending the gospel this morning. Somebody down here made an audible... Woo! Uh, and every time someone cheers for, every time someone cheers for an animal pet, I think an angel loses its wings. So, um, 
Oh, it's funny. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right. So let me get back to the sermon. So here it is. So, so there's this cat that lives in my house named Sally. My family loves the cat. I tolerate the cat. Uh, our cat shows its love for us by bringing us gifts. So last week I was gone for eight days. My wife and I and our children went to visit grandparents in Mississippi and in Georgia, and we had been gone for eight days. And we wondered if Sally would do okay while we were gone. And we even wondered, I wonder if Sally's going to bring us any gifts. And so we get home yesterday, as a matter of fact, drive in, and we're like, I wonder if Sally brought us any gifts. And we kind of look around the house, and we think, all's good, no gifts. We put the kids in the bed, we're unpacking the final things. Uh, I'm in the restroom getting ready for bed. My wife sends me a text message. She says, looks like Sally brought us a gift. As she saw a mouse scurrying across the floor. But here's the problem. We don't know how long that mouse has been in the house. And we don't know if that mouse brought company. And so Sally, once again, is on the naughty list by bringing me a gift that I did not want, didn't expect, and surprised me with. There's a point here. Each Christmas we are reminded in a fresh way that God wants us. Each Christmas, we are reminded in a fresh way that God wants you. And it may be surprising to some of you because some of you may have never given God any of your attention, but the gospel of Jesus Christ emphatically states that God wants you. And it may surprise some of you because some of you may have given God no attention or any thought since Easter, but God wants you. And it may be surprising because some of you may have had a past relationship with God that was so deep and so rich and so vibrant, but you haven't in years even mentioned him or given him a passing thought, but God wants you. And it may be surprising because you think about the things that you've done or the things that have been done to you or you look at the condition of your life or your business or your home or your family and you think, why would God want anything to do with me? But the preacher's telling you from the pulpit that God wants you. God wants you. And the invitation is, is will you receive the gift of life that he offers you? Will you want him back? The scripture tells us that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you can be saved and that you can have a relationship with God, if you will believe that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, if you will believe the gospel that, that Jesus Christ was indeed the Savior who was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and was resurrected from the grave three days later, that you can be saved. And so I want to invite you today. There are always things that would distract you from making the most important decision in your life, but I want to invite you today to receive salvation by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. 
If you would like to make that decision in a few moments, we're going to have a prayer and an invitation. You can step out into the aisle, come down, take me or one of our ministers by the hand and let us pray with you and encourage you and share with you how to receive Jesus as your Savior. Would you stand where you are? I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Our ministers are getting into place. And any of you that need to make a decision this morning, would you please step out and step forward? If you're in the front and the back, if you're in the balcony, we will wait for you. But we want you to do business with the Lord as he is leading you. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for the morning, for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. God, it's so good to fellowship, to sing you praise, to be in your word. Father, it's so good to think deeply about the truth of your word and to laugh at some of the lighthearted moments. But now, Lord, we have serious business to do. There are men, women, teenagers, children that need to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray, God, that you would lead them to step out in obedience to your call, to your conviction, and to be saved. Help us, Lord, to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation's open. Any decisions, now's the time to make them public.